G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, doing everything we can to get a hold of our scheduled guest today, Keith Getty, he and his wife Kristen, very well-known modern worship musicians, uh, some of the best known in the world, an estimated 100 million people uh, singing their hymns in church services each year, and uh, we had scheduled to talk to Keith this morning, and we're trying to get a hold of him, but let me, because time is escaping us, isn't it? Uh, Every moment is precious. But let me play you their latest release, their latest release at a time when the world needs it most during the COVID-19 pandemic. The song is called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. Uh, Let's enjoy Keith and Kristen Getty. Christ alone, Christ alone, what is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong, who holds our days within His hand, what comes apart from His command, and what will keep us to the end, the love of Christ in which we stand Oh Everlasting 
Kristen Getty, Christ, our hope in life and death. Well, good things have happened. Uh, we've got an opportunity to talk to Keith. In fact, our privilege this hour to welcome uh, not only Keith, but also Kristen is joining us as well. Someone who has, uh, the two of them together, helped reinvent the traditional hymn form and invigorate an interest in hymns for a whole new generation of people. Keith and Kristen are among the best-known modern worship musicians in the world, an estimated 100 million people singing hymns by Keith and Kristen in church services each year. Their latest hymn, which we just heard, was accessed by over a million people in the very first opening week. It's their latest release and come just in time during the COVID-19 pandemic because, interesting, isn't it? We'll talk about this. The song is called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. With overwhelming uncertainty in our world today, so many churches have stopped meeting face-to-face but still joining together in new dimensions of online worship. And so talking about these sorts of hymns today, very, very important. Let me make a special welcome to 2022. Keith, a special welcome to you. We've been talking about talking to you for a little while. Welcome along, Keith. Hey there, Neil. And I, I got my wife beside me. I've done 40 interviews since that song came out. And I think this is probably the second one that she's been involved in. So um, I don't know what it is about the Australian charm, but she wanted to join in. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I let know. me say, Kristen, welcome along. Thank you for letting me join. <laughs> well, Kristen, you're like the icing on the cake today because we thought we were only talking to Keith, but uh, we've got the more beautiful one of the two of you. Well, welcome along. Just wonderful to have you with She's us. She's a lot more sweet as well. <laughs> you like icing, don't you, Kristen? Lovely. Hey, she, lo- she loves icing, Neil. Wonderful. We're talking to you from your home in Connecticut in the U.S., and I wonder, as we're talking about the the sort of circumstance that we might talk about having hope in Christ in life and death. Uh, Connecticut is just next to New York State, and uh, it's been dominating news headlines just how severe things have been with the coronavirus. Keith, I wonder if you've got any reflection on just how the situation, the mood of people in your community, the, the way people are looking at the coronavirus right now. What are your thoughts? 
We're, ac- we're actually in Tennessee, Neil, but we have many friends, both in New York and Connecticut, and I was speaking to some of them today. And so I, I can I can speak to there. And obviously, we have our Christmas show at Carnegie Hall every year, which won't be happening this year. So we, you know, it, it's it's an extraordinary it's an extraordinarily it's just an unbelievable situation to, to watch cameras of to watch cameras go around the streets of New York and see them empty, to think about a whole generation of brilliant people all living in. 600-square-foot apartments and not being able to get out. I mean, to somebody who comes from an island like Ireland or Australia, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and then and then actually some of the attitudes in, in Tennessee uh, are just a little bit crazy as well. So there's a, there's a lot of confusion at the minute um, in the messaging and in people's understanding, which is making something that is actually manageable a lot worse. Kristen, I wonder if you've got some thoughts on how churches have been responding because no doubt in the US, like here in Australia and so many places around the world, churches have not been able to meet and all sorts of services have gone online. And I wonder if you've got any thoughts on on how that's been accepted in the US. Well, it's been an incredible thing to watch is how swiftly so many churches have adapted to this new normal. And we have a fantastic church here in, in Nashville, and it's, we've just been so proud at their um, technological efforts to try and pull together these services that have not only been very well done, but incredibly comforting and inspiring in these difficult times. We gather as a family each Sunday, we turn it on in the in the television, and it's just been such a joy for us to have our little kids join in in the services. Um, our church has always involved children at the beginning in the singing, but um, they're getting a little bit more these days, which has been great. And then my own dad, he's a, um, a teaching pastor over in Northern Ireland, and so we try and join in some of their streaming of services. And so actually it's expanded um, so much of, of the reach you know, to people um, internationally. I know that Keith's parents... They're not quite sure what to do with themselves every Sunday because there's so many things to watch and to listen to, and they're just loving that. (laughs) You know, I know there's a lot of people who love to let loose and sing loud in their living room. And if they're sitting in front of their television set, perhaps watching YouTube, watching their church service streaming live. Uh, Some people love that. Others are much more comfortable in the big gathering of people. Keith, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on on the power of worship and the power of singing when it comes to, uh, you know, the setting we're in. Well, Well, whether it was back to St. Patrick or whether it's Martin Luther and John Calvin or whether it's Charles Wesley or whether it's just our grandparents, I think... One of the things that those they those folks all had in common was that they believed hymns were to be sung in the home and the church. And I think people have got so obsessed, and indeed the, the rather cynical commercial side of, of modern Christendom has got so obsessed with people are singing in church, but they've actually forgot that singing is something which is God's people do together and should be done in the home as well. And so, you know... The second week of the coronavirus, we're, we're, we've been we've been quarantined 40 days, and in the second week, my little daughter broke her violin bow, and so for a week she had to just practice with you know, plucking and working on her left hand. And in the week the violin bow was going, she really improved her left hand. And I think there's a little bit for all of us that this gives us a real chance to improve the singing in our home. You know, if we fill our homes with songs of the Lord, if we sing together as God's people in our homes. 
I think that strengthens marriages. I think it strengthens families. I think it strengthens children. And I think ultimately it will strengthen churches. So it's actually a wonderful opportunity for all of us to build good habits that would have been there in previous generations. But sadly, our generation would, seem, would, rather, would rather finish the day just as we'd rather fill our day with conversation and Netflix. And it's one thing to sing loud and strong when times are good. And uh, in those senses, we think of raising our voices in worship to God because of his blessing on us. When times are not so good, and talking to you today from the U.S., and, uh, you know, as the figures go for the North American uh, continent, 792,000 total cases of COVID-19. There's been 42,000 people who have died. These are not easy, good times when people are raising their hands in worship and they're trying to connect with the hope that comes uh, from the power of God. Uh, Kristen, I wonder if you've got some thoughts on on just how powerful it is when you actually fill your lungs and let loose in worship uh, when you're talking about Christ's death and resurrection, this power of hope. What are your thoughts here, Kristen? Well, we're not the first generation of believers that have had to wrestle with these deep issues of life and to sing through them. In fact, you know, just as Christians have always been a singing people, we've always been called to sing in good times and bad times, as you rightly said. And we just have to look at the book of Psalms, where over a third of the Psalms are laments and the encouragement through all generations to not avoid those difficult things, but to sing through them and to bring all of our emotions and all of our struggles to the Lord and how music and hymns and a a strong lyric can be a wonderful vehicle to bring um, those emotions and thoughts to the Lord and to sing through them. And, you know, just this week, we had the great joy to interview Johnny Erickson Tada. He is the lady who's been a quadriplegic. I'm not sure how familiar you are with her story, but she's been in a wheelchair for 50 years. She's an outstanding human being, and her faith is so bright and has been a constant inspiration, and she has sung her way through every struggle in life. And she talked about how when she first had her accident as a 17-year-old and um, she couldn't wipe away her own tears and during the night when she couldn't sleep in the hospital ward that she that she just sang and she was so grateful to, um, to her parents in particular. He had um, taught her so many hymns of faith. She called it a treasure trove that she was able to dive into and lean on to in some of her darkest moments. And her story is one that is repeated over and over again. So many points in history and in so many places around the world that people wrestle with these deep issues of life and don't have to run away from faith, but run towards um, the Lord. He is our comfort and He is our hope. Um, and so it's been such an inspiring thing for us with, with our girls, you know, trying to teach them songs that they can use now, but we're not quite sure what may come in the years in the years that are ahead of us, and to be trying to build into them deep truths that might help sustain them through dark times. And so that's been a challenge for us as parents and a challenge to us personally to keep singing and to encourage others to do the same. Wow, what a wonderful insight, teaching our children to sing praise and worship to God because we don't know what sort of struggles they will face in the future. And, of course, it's historic, isn't it, that as we look at back at the history of the church and all of the struggles and hard times, the tumultuous times of history where hymn singing, singing through the struggles has got people through. And I wonder whether, Keith, it's a matter of the hymn singing that brings the unity together so that we know we're not alone in the impact of all sorts of tragedy 
or whether it's just something that lifts us and gives us a, even a, a strong uh, mental health so that we can, we can face whatever comes. Well, yes, indeed. I think as Christians, we have to be aware of people's needs around us. We can't physically go to them necessarily, but we have to be aware that many people are lonely, many people are struggling. Many people are struggling with mental health issues and emotional health and will only continue to. And indeed, many of us who are a little bit more self-confident, sadly, are just becoming more aware of the fact that we're actually quite dispensable. And the things that we've put so much emotional energy in our lives into can disappear in an instant. And that's just the facts of the matter. And, uh, and, so, and so, you know, singing Christian Easter always reminds me that, you know, the great laments of popular music, so the country songs that are famous for laments, or the singer-songwriters, or even the, the modern rap artists who speak their anger at the world, you know, their songs only go as high and only reach as deep as themselves. Whereas the laments of the Psalms and the hymns that we sing, when peace like a river attendeth my way and as well with my soul, these actually reach to the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, to the God who ultimately is eternal, and who actually is offering us hope and peace and joy and forgiveness and love in the the midst of our struggles. It's one thing, isn't it, to be able to sing physically. It's another thing that when you are spiritually connecting to the everlasting God, the creator of the universe. And uh, he has given to us this way of communicating, connecting, of of fellowshipping with him. It's just a beautiful thing, uh, Kristen, that something happens when we mm-hmm. start to sing all praise and glory to God. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, de- we're designed to praise him. We're designed to adore him. And so when we do that, we are being our most in the best way, human cells created in God's image to do this and to, do, you know, be called out of darkness to declare His glorious light. And um, it's uh, it, one of the things that music can do in lyrics is that they can give words to us when we can't always find them ourselves. And then we can have this wonderful um, unity of spirit and purpose and thought when we can sing them together. And that's a, that's a powerful thing because not only are we singing to God as we are called to do, but we're also called to sing to one another and to encourage one another. And whether that is with our children and sort of the small context many of us find ourselves in right now, or whenever we hopefully soon get to gather together again and look each other in the eye and sing of these truths and sing these wonderful um, stories of God's faithfulness um, in our individual lives, but also as, uh, as churches that um, God has called together. Um, it's, it's, it is a tremendous, powerful thing and a wonderful witness to a watching world that we can, on the same melody line and the same lyric, have this sort of consensus of what it is we believe and what we're declaring, and to be able to articulate it clearly to this watching world it's a Powerful apologetic, I think, a congregation standing together and singing. Keith and Kristen Getty are on the line with us, live from the US in their home state of Tennessee. Kristen, let me just ask you, because you've got a number of initiatives that people have been able to join into online, one of those called Hymn Sing, and I'll talk to you about your live Facebook uh, gatherings each Tuesday evening, your time, but uh, tell us all about Hymn Sing and how people have been captivated by that. 
Well, Keith and I have always been involved in, in writing hymns and encouraging congregations to sing, and our little mini-congregation that we live with is our four daughters, <laughs> and they are um, nine until two years old, and we have always tried to extend the ideas of how important it is to sing together and to sing rich, rich, deep things and to sing songs that we can carry with us throughout our life. And so we were very challenged as parents, what does that mean for our kids? And so we've been singing with our kids doing a hymn him of the month for several years now, but on St. Patrick's night um, this year when we were um, getting used to quarantine for the first time and, and wondering what to do with ourselves as Irish people in America were used to you know, singing and hanging out on St. Patrick's Day, and we thought um, very last minute, wouldn't it be fun to jump on Facebook Live and to sing a few hymns with our girls here on St. Patrick's Day, and so we did that. And it was um, received very well, and people got excited seeing you know other families singing, and they joined in. And so we started doing it every Tuesday night. So I think this is our sixth week of of, of doing it, right? Six weeks, Keith. Um, and it's just basically just around twenty minutes, four or five hymns that we sing and talk about with with our girls. So it's crazy, and it's um, unedited, and so you can see everything. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and of course, it's been a, it's been a lot, of, lot of fun. And that happens around about this time, perhaps a little earlier Australian time on a Tuesday evening for you, which is uh, for us uh, is yeah. like a Wednesday morning. So uh, for those listeners, right. but I guess they can connect with you on Facebook. And when you've had your right. live hymn singing, no doubt there's a recording of that. And so people can access that too. Yeah, so if you don't catch it for Australian brunch, then you can catch it on YouTube afterwards. <laughs> and uh, Kristen, I know you've got to leave us in just a few moments, but everything's changed. When you're a worship-leading musician uh, and COVID-19 comes along and churches are no longer functioning the way they usually do, everything slows right down. So you and Keith, you've really picked up on uh, the online presence very powerfully. And, uh, and you know, have you noticed this, the upswing in the number of people who've been interested in the things you're doing? Yes, absolutely. Obviously, a lot of people are driven online um, for information, for entertainment, for nourishment. Um, I know that we have, as a family, appreciated so many things other people are doing. And so we've just been grateful to um, have these fresh opportunities. You know, we had um, developed various different online resources over the last couple of years and have been excited about those. And so are developing those and have a little more time to give attention to them, which has been really great. We're not sure how long we'll continue with our kids doing that sort of thing. As Keith said, I think this may die with the coronavirus at the end, but I'm not sure how long we can sustain every week doing something with the children. Another reason to pray for the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, we ha- but it has been a really good sort of little window to just a very normal, everyday family experience of, of a family singing together and encouraging other people to do the same thing. I've also been encouraged to see, you know, older folks who are um, isolated even more and those who have um, pre-existing health conditions even more isolated, that this has been such a little uh, a window of hope in so many homes where there's not really an end in sight as quick as it might be for some of the rest of us. And so um, we've been glad to be able to speak and sing into those um, situations. And I think children, especially children singing, and the great hope that we have in, in, in the Christian faith is a great comfort to so many.
Well, so many Australians love what you do and uh, our prayer is that you'll keep doing it and uh, that the richness of God's blessing will continue through your music. Kristen, I know you've got to leave us because you're putting some of your children to bed and uh, for us here in Australia, yeah. uh, it's the middle of the day, but for you it's uh, getting later in the evening. We have the two little ones that are already asleep and the two older ones I'm about to tackle them to try and get them to go to sleep. But I will say, Neil, that we are so excited about one day coming across to Australia. We have hoped to do it on so many occasions and with pregnancies and new babies and schedules haven't been able to, but it's very much our intention as soon as we can to brave the long flight and to take these girls over to Australia. So hopefully one day we'll get to meet you. Well, we have koalas and we have kangaroos. Uh, that'll be the thing that'll get the kids excited. Hey, wonderful they will to love it. wonderful to talk to you, Kristen, and uh, thank you so much for participating in the conversation. And uh, we'll oh, keep well. going with Keith. Yeah, thanks for having me. Here's, here's my lovely husband. <laughs> hey there, Keith. Why don't well, we? I don't, know, I don't know what I don't know what Australians done, Neil. I mean, settings of Kristen and radio were like or like Hilly's Comet. So I mean, that's pretty incredible. Yes. So. <laughs> Hey, Keith, before we go any further, why don't we have a little pause? And uh, for listeners who are saying, oh, what was that song that, uh, that Keith and Kristen were best known for? Why don't we take a little pause here and have a listen into uh, what has become your best known hymn, a hymn that has uh, sent ripples out all around the whole world in Christ alone. But I, I wonder, Keith, if we, as I introduce this, uh, whether you've got a, a few thoughts about, you know, when you put this uh, hymn together, the lyrics, where do they come from, something deep within? Give us a little insight into In Christ Alone. Sure. In Christ Alone was really the first, um, was the first hymn we ever wrote, actually. <clears throat> the first hymn that was published. And it was really just this idea that we are so excited to be Christians in the 21st century, but there are more Christians in the world than at any point in history. But but, but the average Christian doesn't really know the scriptures particularly well. And and historically, part of how we learn our faith isn't, isn't the preaching and study of the Word, but part of it's actually by singing the Word. Um, I was sort of, by people who were good Bible teachers and preachers and lots of great Christian literature, even more than a lot of our generations, but we weren't actually really singing the Bible. So I wanted to try and create this kind of art form that helped people do that. Okay, it's an art form, hymn writing. Let's have a listen in to Keith and Kristen Getty, their best known hymn, and we'll continue our conversation about hymn writing, the old and the new, just ahead. This is Keith and Kristen Getty in Christ Alone. Thank you. 
special guests this hour, Keith and Kristen Getty. Keith is still with us. Uh, Keith, uh, that song has really set you in motion as uh, one of the leading hymn uh, writers around the whole world in a modern context, and uh, that's really a powerful thing. I've been asking our listeners today uh, to respond on Facebook. Uh, There's a poll there that the question says, which form of worship do you prefer? Hymns, old and new, or contemporary styles, uh, modern praise and worship? And I've got to tell you, uh, as the poll has gone, 42% say 
that we love the old, 58% say we love the new. In actual fact, there's an update on that. 45% the old, 55% the new. What do you get from feedback? Is it is it definitively old hymns or is it old and new hymns? Oh, I think it's is old and new. I've asked, I've asked the question old and new. So we're sort of separating the right. genre here and saying hymns versus contemporary praise and worship. And, and so that's the sort of feeling that I guess you can say a real time update on how Aussie Christians think about hymn singing and uh, modern praise and worship. You have straddled the boundaries here and you've made old time hymn singing for a new generation. That's been a major thing that you've contributed to. Uh, well, th- thank you. Um, well, I, I said I'm only a small part of it, you know, and, uh, you know, you know I, Stuart Townend and I wrote a lot of those early hymns together, and uh, then obviously my wife, Kristen, and I, many of the songs that you sing in Australia, you know, like, like By Faith and Come People of the Risen King, and and uh, My Worth is Not in What I Own, and, and That Is My Salvation, they were all written with my wife, and then now this new collection of songs like Christ Our Hope and Life and Death, those are those are written with um, with this mo- this team of modern hymn writers that are work with our company. So we find a group of guys: Matt Boswell, Matt Papa, Matt Matt Merker, Jordan Coffin, all the while getting these team. And so we write hymns together, and that's one of those hymns. And there's what, what's exciting me is there's a whole new generation of hymn writers whose music I love. I love City of Light out of Sydney, Australia. I think. Some of the hymns they're writing are really wonderful as well. You know, and there's so many new, fresh voices who, 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 have, who have a more hymnic influence, at least, in, in their music. And I think that only speaks to, to deeper hymns. It only speaks to helping churches of all kinds sing them better. It only speaks to hymns that will work well in church plants and around the world. Um, and it only speaks to hymns that will be sung for longer. And as you know, you know, if you think of a hymn like Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That hymn has had a more profound influence in your life than a single song that mentions God's holiness, or or Great is Thy Faithfulness has had a much more profound impact in your life than that one of the 50 modern worship songs you've sung, which is about God's faithfulness, because they only last a short time. So I, I'm really excited. There's a lot of areas of, of the Christian church that I'm concerned about, um, but I, I'm actually really excited about the new generation of hymn writers coming through. One of the criticisms that people who love old-time hymns have of modern praise and worship music is that it doesn't always appear to have the depth of Christian doctrine, you know, the expression of uh, eternal truths. And uh, when we talk about Christian doctrine, of course, you know, who God is, uh, who Christ is, and the reinforcement of those biblical truths and foundations. Uh, what are your thoughts here for uh, for perhaps when there are some more modern songs that miss the mark when it comes to the depth of understanding those things theologically? Oh, it's it's very, very serious problem. I mean, when we think about the Bible, how important it is, and that 20% of the Bible is actually songs, that lets you see how much God values singing and why, indeed, singing is important. I mean, singing is the arts, and, you know, for example, architecture is an art, and, and, and it helps form community, or, or painting is an art, and it helps us emotionally interpret what is going on around that situation. But we're not commanded to be architects, and we're not commanded to be painters, but we are commanded to sing, because it is so vitally important. So 
I would say this is important if you're a young worship leader or writer to think about writing in a more deep way, but I have a much more direct comment, and that is to pastors, to youth leaders, to parents. Please care about what your children and what the next generation are singing, because everyone has a song, you know, and I, I know my kids love the songs from Frozen, the movie, but I don't want them to be their songs. I want their songs to be... I, 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 I want their songs... Uh, to be our sins, there are many. His mercy is more. I want them to be in Christ alone. My hope is found. I want them to be then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. That's what I want my children singing. And of course, your latest hymn that we heard a little earlier about uh, 40 minutes ago. Christ our hope in life and death and you're I mean this is the interesting thing here you're not talking about necessarily nice topics because when you talk about the reality of death and even though that is something that's so powerful today you've not been afraid to boldly confront that and so uh, there's there's something powerful in in not holding back on the real issue here and that's, this is where we have to reckon up a little bit, because a lot of people talk about authentic worship or an authentic worship experience, and it's an absolute, it's absolute baloney, because, because, you know, what is true, I, I don't know if I'm going to survive COVID-19. I don't know if my businesses are going to survive it. I don't know what my kids are going to do in their life, but I do know I'm going to die. And that's why the majority of the Psalms talk about eternity. That's why... Jesus talks about eternity. Paul talks about eternity. That's why 75% of the great hymns that we know talk about eternity, life, death, God as judge, God our peace, heaven, hell. These subjects almost always are part of the hymn, or certainly part of the hymn's last verse. By vast contrast, modern worship music, less than 10% of what modern worship music ever touches on the eternal. And so it becomes a bizarre, bizarre narcissistic escapism that's actually more likely to build young young people or a new generation of Christians who think that Christianity is there to please them or, or, or gives them a sort of very self, self-oriented self version of Christianity and misses out on so much of the greatness of God um, uh, and this gospel good news that we have and then understanding ourselves um, in that context. So worship is much more than just another alternative form of entertainment. What you're saying here is that worship connects with the heart of God, and when that worship reflects on these realities that are a part of our lives, uh, life and death and the reality of the eternal, uh, those are the sorts of things that we need to look for in a quality worship uh, song so that we are connecting with those things that are going to be eternal and relevant for our whole lives. That's right. Well, we are running out of time here. I just do want to mention the name of the hymn that we heard. Your brand new one is called Christ Our Hope in Life and Death. Uh, We did get to hear two in Christ alone, but there are a lot of well-known hymns that listeners can get a hold of. And uh, let me just uh, say there's some points here you can connect. Uh, Of course, you can look at some of these songs on YouTube. Uh, Keith and Kristen Getty. Keith and Kristen have their channel, Keith and Kristen Getty, on YouTube. You can also be in contact through gettymusic.com. And you can connect with the hymn sing that we were talking to Kristen about. 
Uh, other ways too, of course, uh, you've got all these online experiences. Uh, I mean, there's lots of ways to connect. I suppose the central website will have uh, the opportunity for people to link with those things. Keith, uh, gettymusic.com, is that the main place that you'd point people to? Yeah. Yeah, we usually point people to one of three places, gettymusic.com, or as you said, we've got the, the Keith and Kristen Getty YouTube channel. But if you do Spotify, you can listen to all the songs the family hymn sings are all on there, and you can fill your home with songs. Or you can listen to this new hymn, Christ for Hope and Life and Death, and share it with your friends. And and uh, we, we have found that to be really useful. And said, if you're on Spotify, obviously it's all free. So, but but I think you're welcome to go to our website, and we can certainly uh, help provide both the free stuff and then products that might be helpful to you. Well, Keith, I think you've won a few more friends today and I want to thank you. And uh, while we had a little bit of a rough start getting things going, uh, just the icing on the cake that we were able to uh, also introduce Kristen into the conversation. It was wonderful. I want to thank you and Kristen and thank you to your family too because we've taken some of your valuable family evening time. Uh, It's in the evening in the US where you are in Tennessee. But Keith, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and heart with us today on 2020. Neil, it's been an absolute honour. We are so looking forward to the day we get to come to Australia. We have so many friends out there, and we do continue to support you every time you play England at any sport whatsoever. Well, when that decision happens and you're booking your flights to come to Australia, lock us in for another conversation. There's so much more to talk about. Keith, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.